Uh, Now, I'm sorry about this, but before I begin the sermon, I really need to check on something. Uh, I've been following him all day, and I just need to find out where he is right now. Uh Oh yeah, he's he's just left Uruguay, uh, Argentina, and the eastern half of Brazil... What a guy, all at the same time. Uh, and uh, he's going to be in, in Newfoundland in about half an hour. Uh, but rest assured, he's right on schedule. And barring any weather disaster, he will be with us at exactly midnight Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> so reassuring, isn't it? So thank you, Santa GPS app. <laughs> Yes, it's a thing. Don't take out your phones and check, just trust me on this. But what about the real star of Christmas? The baby in whose name we're doing all this? Why does he not have his own GPS? Well, now he does. This Christmas, when you want to find Jesus, you need only purchase the Brick House Spark Nano 3.0 GPS tracker. It tracks baby Jesus. I'm not making this up. Google the phrase, baby Jesus stolen, and you will get 1.3 million references. You see, for some people, especially those coming back from the pub, the sight of a nativity scene in someone's front yard or outside a church is just too much of a temptation. So they think, wouldn't it be a laugh to kidnap the baby Jesus? Hey, Mary, if you ever want to see your kid again, give us the money. Well, one congregation that fails to see the funny side of that, and who can blame them, is First Methodist Glen Allen, Virginia. They will hunt you down, (laughs) they will find you, and they will make you rue the day you listened to your mate Dave when he drunkenly persuaded you to stagger over to the manger and pocket God incarnate. First Methodist has a set of skills that make them a nightmare to Messiah rustlers. They are one of dozens of churches across the country that have installed Spark Nano 3 in their baby Jesus. Brickhouse calls it their Saving Jesus program. And it's free. Uh, Says CEO Todd Morris, the holidays are about helping people. The theft and vandalism of treasured holiday figures is a problem we can empower communities and congregations to solve. We are happy to expand the program and help even more people this year. I think we owe Brickhouse a debt of gratitude and at the very least an orange in their stocking. (laughs) You see, keeping track of Jesus has never been what you'd call easy. He turns up in the most unexpected places and often in disguise. There was that time when the murderous King Herod ordered the death of all boys under the age of two and Mary and Joseph whisked their baby to Egypt. How Herod cursed his decision not to buy a Spark Nano 3 that day. 
I suppose the Magi became closest to having a tracking device, a star. But even equipped with that first century GPS, they still took a wrong turn and travelled to Jerusalem because where else do you look for a newborn king than a palace in a capital city? Recalculating. Keeping track of Jesus. He stands in plain sight, but his disguises are eerily deceptive. It's possible you've even seen him today, but you didn't notice. Instead, we've come here tonight to see him. And of course, we will. In the beauty of liturgy, the taste of bread and wine, the glory of music, the splendour of architecture, and the ancient and stirring story of how God snuck into our world unnoticed 2,000 years ago. But often we encounter God not in chalices made of precious metal, garments cast in fine fabrics, words crafted in artful prose, or songs performed with inspiring voice. It's in the drab, the ordinary, the mundane that God breaks in. It's not we who steal the baby Jesus from his crib, but God who captures us ensnares us with his grace, enthralls us with his presence, binds us in glorious captivity to his heart of love and joy. It's in the pain, the decay, the death and the downright ugliness of the human condition that God does his best and most beautiful work. He always has and always will. Most kings live in palaces But this one was born in a stable. The fullness of God's time is risky. It's inconvenient. It does not suit our agendas and even our self-declared availability. The fullness of God's time arrives in weakness and obscurity... The fullness of time finds us vulnerable, depending on him. But when the fullness of God's time arrives, when the minute hand of God's clock ticks over to the moment of completion, when the last grain of sand descends from the top chamber of his hourglass to the bottom, be ready, because the miracle is about to be born. God does his best miracles in the places of risk, in the corridors of chaos. He doesn't wait for everything to be hunky-dory before he slips unnoticed into our worlds. He didn't demand 21st century technology when the word became flesh. He doesn't demand that we live lives free of mess and full of beauty before he will creep up behind us and surprise us with grace. The fullness of time for God was a cattle trough in an enemy-occupied land, and his strategy is unchanged. God is still at work where no one expects him, still at home where no one would look, 
Still, after all these years, slinking into the murkiest life, the tawdriest story, the dreariest existence, and transforming men and women with forgiveness, grace and light. God surely and stubbornly goes into God-forsaken places. And he gives birth. He plants seeds, sometimes without the knowledge of the carrier. He broods over his new creation as it is implanted in the darkness. He watches as the seed grows and prepares to be brought forth into the light of day. But giving birth is not easy. The seed that God has dropped into your heart may take sacrifice and hard work to bring it to birth. It may need you to change something about your life. It may call you to new practices and new patterns of thinking. It may even take the death of old dreams, dreams that now can't work and need to be buried. It may involve the end of some phase of life that seemed good, that has brought you joy, but which has now withered. It may require you to let go of something fine and worthy, because unless you do, you will not be able to embrace the thing that is now rising up and is even better. It may be that idea that flitted through your mind that sudden urge to get in touch with an old friend. Perhaps that crazy notion about reaching out to someone in love, an idea that was so off the wall you immediately dismissed it. Perhaps it was dropped into your heart by God. That project you thought about tackling, that relationship you're aware needs mending, that email you suspect you should write, that 12-step meeting you fear you need to go to, that phone call, that prayer, that ministry, that gift. You know deep down this is God leading you to take action. These inklings and notions began their life in the mind of God. For now, we have to look hard to find Jesus. But when we do, we will spot him. His name is carved in the ice of a a frozen lake. He writes his name with clouds. He winks at us in a sunset. We hear his whisper of love as the wind moves the leaves. Rivers slosh his praise. Mountains point their jagged fingers to his home. Volcanoes spew his fiery passion into the sky. The animal kingdom barks and chirps and bleats and roars the goodness of its creator. We think we catch a glimpse of Jesus in the crowd. We see the flash of his smile at the mall. We detect his fingerprints in the brief handshake. We gaze into the eyes of lover and enemy and see the hand of Jesus waving back at us, beckoning us into intimacy. I think I saw Jesus in Philadelphia. It was cold and dark 
and I was hurrying to find a restaurant where I could escape the crashing needs of the big city and wrap myself in the comfort of a hot meal, a cold drink and warm company. A man stopped me in the street and explained that he had to get to Michigan but didn't have the bus fare. I took out my wallet with the intention of giving him a dollar. I then cursed that same wallet because the smallest note it held was a five dollar bill. I briefly wondered if I could get away with handing him the five and asking for three or four in change. But I feared his disapproval and my own self-loathing, so I swallowed hard and gave up my five dollars. He thanked me, genuinely and humbly. I told him he was welcome, and I turned my head and body away to walk in my quest for dinner. But before I took a step, however, I turned back just to make sure he was indeed going towards the bus stop. And he'd gone, vanished, nowhere. I analysed the distance between where he had been standing and the nearest shop doorway or side street into which he could have scurried. It was absolutely impossible for him to move so quickly that he could be out of sight in that nanosecond. So I peeped around some corners to see if I could find him, but he had disappeared. I still wonder if that was Jesus. The sensible me says, no, the only person being taken for a ride that night was me, and it wasn't on a bus to Michigan. The pragmatic me says that $5 bill ended the night in the till of a liquor store, and if I'd wanted to show him real kindness, I should have used it to buy him a burger and a cup of coffee. Would Christ take the bus to Michigan? Why not? The Jesus of Christmas, who shunned royal palaces and high-tech maternity suites, and whose first lungful of air was laced with the aroma of cattle dung, would surely ride the bus. Tis the night before Christmas, and all through Westfield, good Christians rejoice because God is revealed in the strangest of ways and the weirdest of places. A trough in a shed, human form he embraces. Open your eyes this midwinter night and look so intensely with all of your might. For the God who once made you and keeps you today is waiting to meet you as you go on your way. So set your global positioning system to track the Messiah whose leaders dismissed him. Look in the crannies and search in the corners. Peer deep into Adam and Eve's sons and daughters. For that's where you'll find him. And when you do, wait and engage him, embrace him. You know it's your fate. Good people, don't waste it this wonderful night. Don't let it slip by you and out of your sight. And don't be distracted by nostalgia and trivia. Do business with God this night and he'll give you such joy and such meaning. From now on you'll live with that peace from above that the world cannot give. It's growing in you. It's coming to life. 
Can you feel it? Do you see it? Tonight is the night. So open your heart and don't be afraid. God loves you. He's for you. It's why you were made.